Listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke, your daily Broncos podcast. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back into a brand new episode of the show. Happy Friday, folks, all across Broncos country, wherever you are at, from the South Stands to the end zone, you are Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown NFL Network, your team every day. Today's episode, Lockdown Broncos, is brought to you by our good friends over there at Pepsi, and this football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, NFL analyst and Denver Broncos insider for the Lockdown NFL Network. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. You can follow the podcast at Lockdown Broncos, folks. And make sure, in the meantime, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you love listening to Lockdown Broncos, it would mean the world to me if you go and leave a five-star review as well. And make sure you are subscribed for daily exclusive content. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we have you covered here today. Broncos Country, we are just 24 hours away from kickoff. The Broncos will play the Buffalo Bills tomorrow, 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time on the NFL Network. And just one of those weird games coming in on a Saturday. A lot of storylines, obviously. The AFC West, the Chargers and the Raiders played on Thursday night. And that's going to lead to a matchup, obviously, next Sunday when the Broncos will travel to play the Los Angeles Chargers in L.A. there. But on today's episode of the show, we're going to go through our final game preview. The Broncos hosting the Buffalo Bills tomorrow. We're going to go through our news and notes. The injury report, some of the storylines. Plus, we're going to go through our tale of the tape and the things that we're watching for in Saturday's action between Denver and the Bills. We're going to break that down all in today's jam-packed episode, Locked On Broncos. So let's get things kicked off right here, right now. Broncos country, some Friday news and notes for you. Broncos kicker Brandon McManus is very unlikely to play in tomorrow's game against the Bills. According to Broncos head coach Vic Fangio, due to the COVID testing protocols, McManus came into close contact with somebody who tested positive. He self-isolated earlier this week in a hotel room. He has not been able to practice all week long. He's continued to test negative. But however, if this game was played on Sunday, Vic Fangio says that McManus would have had a chance to play. But because of Saturday, it is looking unlikely that he will be able to play. But luckily, the Broncos have a safeguard in place. They signed a practice squad kicker not too long ago after the Broncos quarterback debacle of having Kendall Hinton out there and not having a single quarterback. The Broncos signed a quarantine kicker, and that's Taylor Russo. Lino. He played in Montreal in the Canadian Football League, and he also played in the XFL. And special teams coordinator Tom McMahon had went to the Broncos personnel department and said, hey, let's look at getting this guy. And Russolino comes over from the XFL. But the reason the Broncos looked into him and Tom McMahon looked into him is Pat McAfee. We all know him, the Pat McAfee show. He's an electric on-air personality. He was an electric on-air, you know, on-field, not on-air. He was an electric on-field punter uh, and just athlete from that position. He could boom it, right? He didn't really have the the length to boom it far but he could boom it high in the sky a great hang time and allowed coverage to get down there he recommended to Tom McMahon that they sign Russolino and so after 
practice all week long. The Broncos have been able to see that. McMahon's been able to see that. Vic Fangio said the way that if he can kick on Saturday, the way he's been kicking all week in practice, he believes the Broncos will be in a good position. And McMahon is also confident that Russellino can hit from 50 plus. So hopefully Denver doesn't have to get themselves in a situation where they absolutely have to settle for a 50 yard field goal or 50 plus. More so you want to get to about the 46 yard range and, and minimize it from there, especially with a kicker you really haven't seen too much on. Though his longest field goal attempt that he made in the XFL where he went 9 of 10 was from 58 yards. So he does have the ability to do it. Kicking at altitudes are obviously a little different. Maybe that's going to give him a little bit of a boost there. But for the Broncos, they will be more than likely without McManus this Saturday. Unfortunate for Denver. Obviously, they signed him to a contract extension and, you know, he had a really weird game against Carolina, missing the two extra points. But, uh, you know, he took it in stride and even joked with himself about his performance. Uh, he said that he sucked today and that he said, oops, I forgot to, you know, I tweeted that from my burner account. So, uh, Obviously, we're hoping that we can get Brandon McManus back into the fold for the Broncos here soon. In the meantime, Vic Fangio does not believe that Broncos cornerback Bryce Callahan will make it back for the final two games of the season. Now, a couple weeks ago, he went on injured reserves, dealing with a foot injury to the same foot he had surgery on last year. However, a different type of injury, and it's not healing as many would like. So Vic Fangio says it's unlikely that Bryce Callahan returns for the final two games against the Chargers and the Raiders. And that makes it difficult for Denver because now they truly only have three cornerbacks on the roster for Sunday, though Nate Harrison, the Broncos, signed him off of the Ravens practice squad last week. He will be available to play, but the Broncos hope they don't have to face that situation where they have to play him. In the meantime, you're going to see Devontae Bosby and Michael Ojemudi on the outside, and Will Parks playing exclusively in the nickel there. And when the Broncos go dime, you'll see Elijah Holder getting reps, but the worst case scenario would be if Denver loses any of those guys due to injury, it would put them in a very, very drastic situation. One that Vic Fangio said that this season with the cornerback injuries and the situations he's never experienced that ever before in his year as a coordinator or even as a head coach. So keep an eye on that. In terms of some injury status reports, Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, Graham Glasgow, and Trey Marshall are listed as questionable for Sunday's action. We'll find out a little bit more today as the Broncos return back to the practice field once again. Yesterday was their first day back at practice. There was a full-on go, but Vic Fancher says they will evaluate even further going into today. But if Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay can't go, Gordon dealing with a shoulder injury that he sustained in the Carolina Panthers game, Lindsay dealing with a hip issue. If those guys can't go, hypothetically speaking, it's unlikely. I, I imagine both. If I had to give a guesstimation, I believe both are going to play on Sunday. But if both couldn't go, Royce Freeman and Levante Bellamy would get the starting nod as the running back 1A and 1B It's in Saturday's action against the Buffalo Bills. So keep an eye on that. That's going to be obviously a storyline we're going to follow. In terms of right guard Graham Glasgow, he didn't play in Sunday's game against the Carolina Panthers. He returned back to practice on a limited basis. But Vic Fangio says if he is un under 95 percent 95 to 90 percent if he's under that Natani Muti would likely get the start once again after playing really well and if he is at about 95 percent more than likely he's going to play so Denver just being optimistically cautious with Graham Glasgow and their approach there and obviously it also bodes as an opportunity to get a guy like Muti more reps and even Vic Fangio said that the Broncos based on how Glasgow's feeling and how he's playing they could rotate both of them in series on Saturday so keep an eye on that and we'll have you covered obviously a little bit more but tomorrow's game will kick off 2.30pm Mountain Time NFL Network at Empower Field at Mile High we'll have you covered with the post game report here on Lockdown Broncos. But Broncos country coming up here in just a moment. We're going to get into our tale of the tape, analyzing the Broncos versus the Buffalo Bills. What does the matchup say based on the offense and the defense and some of the things to keep an eye on? 
We're going to get to that coming up here in just a moment, folks. But I got to remind you guys to check out the Lockdown Nuggets podcast hosted by Adam Mades and Matt Moore. The Nuggets held a preseason exhibition game against the Portland Trailblazers and blew them out in dramatic fashion. They scored from almost every ounce on the field. They had 39 assists altogether. They took a lot of three-pointers, and they were very efficient all night long. They went up by 19 points at halftime against Portland, Damian Lillard, and them inside that division. What can Nuggets fans expect this season as the NBA season starts next week? Hear it from Adam Adams and Matt Moore, Locked on Nuggets. Getting into our tale of the tape here on today's episode, Lockdown Broncos, the Denver Broncos hosting the Buffalo Bills tomorrow in Powerfield a mile high. The Bills come in at 10-3, and three, the Broncos sitting at 5-8, and eight, and Denver has a chance to finish 500 if they can win these next three matchups, which is very doable. It's very possible there, but in terms of the all-time season series between these two teams, Denver is 16-21-1 against Buffalo, and they're 5-7-1 and seven and one at home against them as well. So one tie, obviously seven losses, and five wins and the last matchup that these two teams had against each other came last season the Denver Broncos traveled to Buffalo and Brandon Allen was the quarterback in this game it was very windy Tredavious White was against Cortland Sutton Cortland Sutton rolled his ankle in this game I remember the Broncos could not generate any offense down the field they had a couple of penalties on the offensive side of the ball from the O-line some unsportsmanlike conduct unnecessary roughness that backed them up and they were very abysmal on third down I remember the game exclusively Justin Simmons also had a game where last year where he had an interception against Josh Allen and so Denver's hoping to capitalize on that once again but Denver's a much better team right now than they were last year when these two teams faced off and the same could be said for the Buffalo Bills who have improved offensively they've maybe taken a step back defensively in a sense but they are playing as a middle of the pack defensive unit and so for Denver it's going to be a big opportunity for them to try to place boils to the Buffalo Bills if the Bills win they win the AFC East they lock the division up for the first time in a long time so Denver would like to delay that and put some pressure on them because Buffalo will then have to play the Patriots and also the Dolphins to close out the season. So make their journey a lot more difficult, even though right now they're a top favorite inside the AFC Conference altogether here. The last time the Broncos had a home victory against this Buffalo Bills football team was back in 2014. It was a battle, folks. And Chris Harris Jr. came in with a key interception in this game. But the score was 24-17. to Denver had the advantage and, and they would hold on to win. And now they'll have to do the same exact thing tomorrow when the Bills come to town here. But take a look at this matchup, folks. This is a, you know, keys tell of the tape here. When you look at it, the Buffalo Bills come in with the number three ranked passing offense. A big portion of their offense comes through the air with Josh Allen and his arm. And when you look at his production this season, he's getting to the point where it's career highs right now with three weeks left in the season. He's sitting at 3,600 passing yards and, and he's a player that has that big arm, right? So when you come to Denver and you come to altitude, that ball is going to travel a lot farther. So Denver, the defensive backfield, we already know they've got question marks due to, you know, youth at the cornerback position with Michael Ojemudia and you had Devontae Bosby. Both guys played relatively well against Carolina, but some of the short stuff that was thrown, they hesitated. And we've also seen too, Josh Allen loves to pump fake, right? So when he pump fakes, sometimes he freezes defensive backs and then he floats it over the top. That's what we've seen on several of his amazing touchdown throws this year for, for them. I mean, he's really evolved as a passer, so he brings the number three passing offense in the league and he takes on the number 10 passing defense in the NFL now granted like I said I mean the storyline has kind of changed a little bit 
Denver, despite the fact that they've lost these players like A.J. Boye, Bryce Callahan, is saying Bassey to injuries, they have still maintained having a top passing secondary, which was the same last season. I believe Denver had the number 10 passing secondary to conclude 2019 with all the guys that Denver had in the secondary injured or playing or young. That was a scenario that Denver faced there. But obviously, you know, circumstances are a little different. When you look at the receiving talent that this Bills football team has with Cole Beasley, who, you know, lines up everywhere. He'll line up on the outside in instances. They'll motion him across. They'll line him up inside the slot. Isaiah McKenzie, kind of a gadget player for them. But the key guy to keep an eye on, Stephon Diggs. We all know this. Gabe Davis is also another wide receiver to keep an eye on. But Diggs has been one of those guys that has excelled. He has at one point early on in the season, he led the NFL in most plays of 20 plus yards downfield. Denver last year, they played Stephon Diggs when he was a member of the Minnesota Vikings and they struggled against him. He had a really big game against him. And, and I imagine we're going to see some deep over routes, some deep crossing patterns from him, some you know shots downfield on a goal route. We're going to see that from Josh Allen and the Bills. They're going to test Michael Ojemudia. I imagine it's going to be the Ojemudia side that they're going to test that. I don't imagine we're going to see too much of that against Devontae Bosby. Bosby plays relatively tight and you know sometimes for Denver I would like them to mix up their looks in a sense like if it's a short yarded situation sometimes the Broncos DBs play about seven yards off on a on a third and short I would like them to tighten up a little bit but pre-snap you're giving these different looks like you're playing off so they could be showing off coverage and then when the ball snap they could be playing up I know when Denver runs some cover two or some cover two man they'll play off and then before snap they'll come up at the line of scrimmage or they'll come up within two to three yards of the receiver and show a different look so that way when the quarterback looks to one side of the field the alignment of the DB is a lot different than it was pre-snap so it does throw things off in a sense to be able to do that Vic Fangio has been very good at disguising those types of coverages but for Denver I think you have to play the Buffalo Bills the same way you play Kansas City you want to avoid the big play from happening, the 60, 70-yard bomb downfield or the big 45-yard reception that converts or you know keeps a drive alive. You know you get that on a second down play or a third down play. Momentum is key against Buffalo. Buffalo capitalizes when the other team loses momentum. They pick it up and they just keep rolling with it. They adjust really well after halftime. Denver's going to have to find a way to be very disciplined against this Bills football team in an AFC West versus AFC East showdown. One of the other things Denver's going to have to do well is they're going to have to stop Buffalo because Buffalo is the third-ranked NFL offense right now on third down. They convert about 49.3% of third down attempts. Denver offensively, they have improved in that category themselves, which has been great. If you look at the overall season body of work, they're still bottom-ranked. But in the last three weeks, Denver has improved, and they've gotten better in that department there. So something to keep an eye on. Denver's defense would have to get off the field on third down. And you know, one of the things I would attribute to last season's game against Buffalo, Denver had a really difficult time getting off the field on third down. There were times where it was like third and eight, third and nine, and Josh Allen would have a big time throw, uh, you know, in a window where they had the wind to their back. And so they would capitalize They'd move the chains. And Buffalo is one of those teams right now. They're top five altogether in the NFL in terms of time of possession. They are fifth at controlling the clock. They control it for an average of 31 minutes per game, Denver 28 minutes. And they are very efficient. They don't turn the ball over as much as they get takeaways, too. That's a part of their aggressive defensive nature. Bend but don't break, generate pressure, get interceptions with their athletic secondary, especially with Tredavious White. You got to be on the lookout for him. And Drew Locke even pinpointed he played against him when he was at LSU. 
And when they were playing Mizzou, and he's always one of those guys you have to know where he's at, but you're not going to be scared by his presence. If, if there's a route that comes open, you've got to be able to take a shot and you've got to be able to test him. And so that to me, you know, in a sense, when I look at it, I think Denver can bode well. And I kind of have a vibe of this game for the Broncos pre-snap before, the, you know, they played the Miami Dolphins, right? You, you talk about an aggressive defense. You talk about, you know, maybe you don't talk about the offense because Miami's offense wasn't that explosive, though. They were picking it up. They actually were leading up to that Denver game getting some points against the Chargers, getting some points against the Arizona Cardinals in the shootout there. So maybe we can make the argument, but it wasn't a top-ranked offense that Denver was going against at the time. Now, defensively, I think that the aggressive in nature, yes, it's very similar to the Miami game. If Drew Locke can protect the football, right? Because when you look at Miami, they had Xavier Howard, and they also had a Byron Jones on the other side, two really great cornerbacks. And Denver still found a way to take advantage. And I imagine we're going to see a little bit of the same type of game plan from Pat Shermer against this Buffalo defense that we saw against the Miami defense. And if Denver can move and convert on third down, if they can convert those drives and not turn the football over, I think Denver has a great chance of winning this game, folks. I really do. One of the other things to keep an eye on, too, when you take a look at Buffalo, they are the number nine scoring offense in the NFL. They score a lot of points, 27.6 points per game to be exact. That is a lot, right? We factor some of the other teams. The discrepancy goes from about 27 points to 31, 32 points from ninth to the first ranking in terms of points per game. So altogether, Buffalo is very, very good at what they do and that's a big area that they have improved on they will be going against the number one red zone defense and so for Denver like you said a similar game plan to Kansas City if you could take away some of the touchdowns that Buffalo aims to get and you can hold them to field goals and your offense can move the ball and convert on successful drives come away with points Denver's got a great chance like I said to beat the 10-3 and red-hot Buffalo Bills. I really do believe that. And based on watching film, I get the vibe that this is a game where Denver absolutely can play spoils to Buffalo as well. Now, in terms of overall protection, the Broncos and the Bills statistically are identical in terms of sacks allowed. Each team has allowed 25 sacks. However, Denver hasn't allowed a lot of sacks since the, the first opening stretch where you played the Tennessee Titans, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Denver has gotten better from the onset of that. They've had some of the fewest sacks allowed in the National Football League. So that is a drastic improvement by Mike Munchak, by the Broncos offensive line that has had guys just playing out of position or guy, different guys in the starting lineup every single week. If Denver can protect Drew Locke, they'll have a great chance. But one of the things that Josh Allen does well is, you know, if he if he's not getting you with his arm ray, if his first initial read's not there, he can really hurt you with his legs. Not a lot of people talk about that, but he's the second leading rusher on this football team, folks. He's got 350 yards on the ground on the year for Buffalo. He keeps drives alive with his legs, and Denver's going to have to account for him as the passer and also him as the rusher. But Broncos country, coming up here in just a moment, we're going to get to some of the things that we are keeping our eyes on for Sunday's matchup against the Buffalo Bills. But before we do that, folks, I got to tell you guys about the sponsor of today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. That's our good friends over there at sportsbetting.com. Sportsbetting.com is now live and taking action in Colorado and sportsbetting.com is passionate about sports and they are the authority on sports betting. With their own in-house bookmakers, sportsbetting.com is known for their sharp odds and low juice. That means the best prices for you. And new players can receive a welcome bonus up to $1,000 and a risk-free week of sports betting. You can also take part of some of their awesome promotions that they have like Break a Leg, Overtime Pay, or Two for Tuesday. Sportsbetting.com offers no hassle bonuses with just a one-time playthrough. So take advantage of their NFL touchdown promotions with can't-lose offers on first touchdown in NFL action. Get your action at the home of sports betting. That is sportsbetting.com backslash Lockdown Broncos. 
All right, Broncos country, jumping into the fourth quarter of today's episode, Lockdown Broncos and your favorite podcast provider, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you are listening, we appreciate you and we want to encourage you to listen, not just once per week. We want you to listen five times per week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We have five episodes brand new for you every single day, folks, all week long. Lockdown Broncos exclusive content coverage and analysis and film review that you get here, special guests as well. We talk talk about the coaching side we talk about the player side we get all that information we compile it here for you so we want you to encourage if you're already subscribed we thank you stay tuned and stay locked on to your Denver Broncos but some things that we're going to get into here on the fourth quarter of today's episode of the show folks we are 24 hours away from kickoff like I had mentioned but some of the things we want to see from this Denver Broncos team against Buffalo is we've seen in 2019 they finished on a very very high note they have the same opportunity to do so here in 2020 I made the argument earlier on here in the show when talking about the comparison between Denver and Buffalo that Denver's a better team this year than they were last year when they played Buffalo. Denver has a chance to really build on a strong finish to the season running it back next season. That's the intention right now. I believe that's what's going to happen with this Broncos organization. They will run it back. And that's been the talk this week. Drew Locke says he wants to see Pat Shermer back another year. He believes it would be great for him. It would be great for his own continuity as a player and for the young offense in general. I wholeheartedly agree on that sentiment. I've been very vocal about that. But in Saturday's matchup against the Bills, one thing I'm keeping my eye on is Bradley Chubb. He's been a player that's fallen under so much criticism and unnecessary criticism, in my opinion, from Broncos fans. Because there are a lot of fans and there are a lot of people, and no disrespect, but there are a lot of people who just sit and they look at a box score and they see maybe one game, he doesn't have a sack. Oh, Bradley Chubb is watched. We've seen that conversation through the first half of the season. Bradley Chubb impacts the game in so many different ways. You go back to the Carolina Panthers game, that final drive where the Broncos held them and they got they stopped them on fourth down. Guess what happens? A couple of sacks that Denver had was caused by the pressure made by Bradley Chubb. It allowed guys like Demarcus Walker, Jeremiah Tauchu, it allowed guys like Will Parks to come in and clean up and get a sack. That's the impact of a pass rusher. It's not just about stat. It's not just about sacks or stats. It's about the impact. And we've seen on film. I've done a film breakdown of what his presence on the field means to opposing offenses and they are constantly keying for him they are alerting to figure out what he's going to do now Bradley Chubb has seven and a half total sacks on the season he just needs two and a half sacks in these final three games to amass double digit sacks which I think would be huge for him he is one of the top pass rushers right now in the NFL in terms of overall quarterback pressures and getting to the quarterback hurries knockdowns he's in that top category there Bradley though says he's not really focused on getting a double digit sack he says if he gets it it's a byproduct of hopefully the goal that they hope to accomplish. He said 3-0 is the goal here for Denver to finish out. So that means beating Buffalo. That means beating the Chargers next week. That means beating the Raiders the following week to close out the season in Denver. I think that would be huge for Denver. And not to mention that there is some growing sense. There's a strong optimism that Von Miller will be back in Denver next season alongside with Shelby Harris but I'm not going to talk about that right now because that's not the biggest story even though that will be at some point we got to focus on the game here so for Denver you know if Bradley Chubb I mean there's a chance he could get the two and a half sacks in this game but if it leads to a Broncos win I think for Bradley that's what he's focused on he's very team-centric this year it hasn't really been about when you talk to him he doesn't necessarily care about having the the highest production the highest sack totals he wants to help win football games he wants to help turn the culture around 
there was a time early on the year where he blew up on the sideline. Like he had a very fiery, passionate talk about, I'm tired of losing guys. We got to all be tired of losing. We got to come together and we got to find a way to compete. And so far that's been the narrative ever since that speech happened on the sideline, I believe it was against the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, that first matchup in Denver where Denver defensively did a great job. They didn't do enough, unfortunately, on the offensive side of the ball to help out. But that was the game where it was like, look, I'm tired of losing to these guys. We have to find a way to come together and compete and, and be in a chance to have a chance to win football games. We saw that type of emotion from him. I've loved that about Bradley Chubb. So for him, he wants to help Denver get to 3-0 and to finish the season, to finish 8-8, and and then lead into next season with a lot of momentum. And obviously, I think we're all supportive of Bradley Chubb there. Uh, you know, in terms of me, one thing I'm looking at, too, is having three legitimate, minimalized cornerbacks for this matchup against one of the NFL's top offenses offenses, top wide receiving cores, to me is the biggest key that I'm looking at. It's one of the things I'm watching for. Can Michael Ojemude, can Devontae Bosby and Will Parks, can they step up to the plate this week against this tough task? And can they limit the big play explosives we've seen from Diggs and Allen and Cole Beasley? And if they do look, I think hats off to the players and also hats off to Vic Fangio. They know how to scheme really well. But the concern for me, I believe there's some confidence that, you know, I'm grateful that Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, they were on the back end of that secondary. That helps a little bit with that explosive play feature. But it's just about everything rallying to everything that's thrown short in front of you. Denver didn't do a great job of doing that last week. You know, there were some opportunities that Carolina took advantage of when the Broncos did go some man coverage where they had some yards after the catch. They threw it short and then Denver failed to come up in time to tackle. It led to, obviously, a first down, a movement of the chains, and keeping drives alive. Denver can't make those mistakes against Buffalo. So so something I'm keeping my eye on for for Saturday's matchup is the Broncos cornerback room. How are they going to perform? That's going to be a big focus of my analysis on Twitter on Saturday. Live tweet with me during the game at Cody Rourke NFL, folks. Love interacting with Broncos fans. Break it down the game. You can send your questions to me as well, and uh, we'll, we'll break it down there. But obviously, you know, Justin Simmons, keeping an eye on that. He has a chance right now. He's got four interceptions and three games left. Can he get a couple more interceptions? That's obviously going to factor in. He's arguably Denver's best defensive player alongside Bryce Callahan and Kareem Jackson this season. They've been phenomenal in terms of the secondary play. Justin Simmons looking for a contract extension from Denver, and I believe an interception in this game or a big play in this game I think solidifies that. We've shown, we have seen that Justin Simmons can be clutch when it matters. He's made these big plays. He's made superstar safety plays. He's not just the ball hawk. He's a guy that comes up and he also lays the wood. He tackles at the line of scrimmage. He thumps guys in passing routes. He gets pass breakups. He understands the passing lanes. He can blitz. Denver Denver utilizes him in so many different ways and I think he has shown that he deserves top safety money, folks. And so for Justin Simmons, there's a lot riding on these final three games of the season as well. And if he can help lead that defense alongside Bradley Chubb and they can go 3-0 and in these final three games to an 8-8, and Denver's going to be very good going into next season, folks. I have a lot of confidence in that based on what I watch on film, and I've seen this team overcome the youth, the injuries, the adversity. This is a football team that is built, I think, for the long run, and it's all about keeping that unit together. But can they do the necessary things to come out on top on Saturday? That's going to be the biggest test. But Broncos country, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode, Locked on Broncos, here in your favorite podcast provider. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked on Broncos. Follow me at Cody Rourke NFL. But if you also listen on Apple Podcasts, please make sure you hit that subscribe button. Spotify, make sure you hit that follow button. And if you could leave a five-star review, if you love Locked on Broncos, head over to Apple Podcasts right now. Leave us a five-star review. Tell us why you love the show. I appreciate all of you in Broncos country. The Broncos will take on the Buffalo Bills tomorrow, 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time kickoff. NFL Network will have post 
post-game report coverage for you as well following the Broncos game against Buffalo. So stay tuned for that Broncos country. We will see you Sunday for the post-game report.